You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. When I was a kid, one of the things that our family did was uh, go to the deer camp or the deer woods, um, and not during deer season. You know, my, my dad and my uncles kind of had a little uh, group, like a little hunting club or whatever, and they had a hunting camp, and we would go, the, and families would go, and a couple times during the year, maybe during the summer or, or Thanksgiving, we would gather there and have a good time. And one of the things we loved to do was my mom and her sisters, my aunts, they, they liked to take a walk and, and take us kids, all the cousins, uh, like through the woods, but not on trails through the woods. They had these like gravel roads that kind of went back through the woods and stuff. And we would walk on those roads, not get too far into the woods, not with, not with the moms. Right. And so we were walking with the, the, uh, all the kids. And even when we were teenagers and we were behind the, the, the ladies, the moms and the aunts. And one of the things I love to do was pick up a rock and throw it into the side of the the woods, off to the side as we were walking, um, so it would hit that underbrush or it'd hit those leaves and make this kind of this rattling, you know, crashing through the through the leaves sound. And the reason why I love to do that was because it scared all the moms and all the ants, especially my mom. My mom would scream out this loud squeal every single time. And the reason was she was she is so afraid of snakes. Like and you know, the reason it's really funny now thinking about it was like a snake is really gonna come crashing through the brush. A snake a snake slithers and slides silently across the across the ground. So it, it's even funny now. But uh it's, it wouldn't be funny if I did it now because my mom's at an advanced age and I don't want to cause any like heart attacks or anything. But 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 there was this fear of snakes that that was there. So so I was thinking, about what are some things we fear? I mean, definitely people fear things like snakes and spiders, and people fear clowns, and people fear heights. And public speaking, uh, I understand, is still like one of the biggest fears that people have is standing in front of a group and speaking publicly. Just all kinds of, of things people fear. Even the water. People have fear of the ocean. Um, and so Jesus says, there's some things we're supposed to not do. And our question is, what do we do when we get tied up in those things anyway? When we get tied up in the knots? One of the things Jesus says is fear not. Now, now surely Jesus doesn't mean to never experience the feeling of fear, right? Like, like, like be scared of things. Like, is Jesus, when he says fear not, is he wants to not be afraid of cats or dogs or heights? What is he talking about? So, so what exactly does he mean when he says fear not? So we're going to look at that over our next few minutes together in a, a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 33. Matthew 10, 16 through 33. So Jesus is sending out his disciples to announce that the kingdom of heaven is near, like the kingdom of God. There's the good news. There's good news. The kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of heaven. And he, and he doesn't just send them out. He sends them out with authority empowered to spread the hope of Christ because he knows his mission is an important and difficult one. And there will be some acceptance, but there's also going to be rejection. There's also going to be opposition. So he sends them out with these words. Matthew 10, 16. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, so be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and the other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking, it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. 
A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students have not, are not greater than their teacher, and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are, are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called even worse names. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when the daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who, can, who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow could fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. So Jesus has a lot to say here. And like most of the times, when we read the Gospels and the words of Jesus, we find some, some very encouraging stuff there. Awesome, awesome encouragement. But we also find some, some very challenging words to us. And we read a, a few things that Jesus says and make us say, what? So we're going to just keep our focus on that fear not today. Because, we, again, we're wrapping up this series tied up in knots today. And so when it comes to fear, what does Jesus have to say about us facing our fears? Well, here's our big idea. Facing your fears with Jesus allows his love to replace your fear. Again, he's not talking about phobias. He's not talking about being scared of, of heights or snakes. He, you know, he's talking about the fear of, 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 uh, of persecution, the fear of oppression. The fear of, of, of being isolated. He's talking about those kind of fears that, that would strike us as, uh, as our culture is becoming the way it is. And so the, the big idea is facing your fears with Jesus allows his love to replace your fear. So as we face our fears, um, the first thing I want to talk about is, is how to face them but stand firm in the love of Christ. When you face your fears, uh, face these fears that you ha that we have, you, you can do them by, first of all, standing firm in the love of Christ. In 1864, there was, uh, it was the time of the Civil War. And on a U.S. coin was put the phrase, In God We Trust. And what it was, what, the reason why it was there, it was reflecting an increasing religious sentiment during that time period. And so that was like when, when In God We Trust first went on an American coin. It was 1864. Now, fast forward 100 years into 19, late 1960s through the 70s and into, into, and, through, into and through the 80s of uh, uh, what was something was called the Cold War. And basically, it kind of boiled down to uh, Western culture, Western politics, Western government versus communism. Really kind of played out in a whole the whole situation of being United States uh, as one world power and the Soviet Union being another world power. And, and at that time, that phrase, in God we trust, became a national motto for the United States because the United States sought to distinguish itself or distinguish ourselves from the Soviet Union, which promoted atheism with anti-religious legislation. 
So since since that time, a move has has happened in our culture to remove the phrase "in God we trust" from from a currency and from buildings. Maybe you didn't know that "in God we trust" is is a phrase that's used in and, and it's on the walls of many of our government buildings, including the the Congress building, the place where where Congress meets in Washington D.C. And since that time. As this opposition has come and the move to removing God we trust from from these things, Christian congressmen and, and congresswomen have stood firm as others have sought to remove the phrase from buildings and currency. Now, I don't share this to be political anyway. I share this as an example of, of, of someone who is standing firm in their faith, standing firm on something they believe in. Have you ever had to take a, a, a stand and stand firm for something you believe in? Chances are you probably have. Jesus is pretty clear when he when he sends his disciples out. He's like, this is what you're going to face when you take the message out to others. He says these kind of things. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. That's not a safe thing to be a sheep in the middle of a wolf pack. He says, you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. Not you may or it could happen. He says, you will. You will be handed over and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues, even in the houses of worship. He says, you will stand trial because you're my followers. He uses a phrase like when, when you are arrested, not if you get arrested, when you are arrested. So he's given it some, it's a, it's a, you're going to have to stand firm here because these things are going to happen. And he goes on to, and they did happen, by the way. And he goes on to say in verse 22, all nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end, everyone who stands firm will be saved. Now, this isn't about taking a hard-nosed stance with a stinky attitude. Jesus isn't saying, be a jerk about it. Jesus isn't saying, hey, tell people you're right and be a jerk about it. Actually, standing firm in Jesus means standing firm on truth, but always standing in love. Did you get that? Standing firm in Jesus means standing firm on truth, but always standing in love. We will face opposition when we follow Jesus. We just have to stand firm in Christ, and but but we don't have to be mean about it. Don't be a jerk about it. First Peter four twelve says, "Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in His suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing His glory when it is revealed to all the world." If you are insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed, for the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian, praising God for the privilege of being called by His name. Guys, I don't, I don't personally know uh, the the persecution and oppression that many people face i don't i haven't experienced that i know what it's like to be judged unfairly but i don't know what it's like to be persecuted and oppressed and many people do many people that i know and love do but i honestly see that opposition to the way of jesus is becoming stronger than ever and it's because it's it's subtle and it's subversive as Jesus was speaking directly about the opposition his followers would face in the systems and the empire of the first century, we can take those words and apply them to our lives today. Face your fears as you stand firm in the love of Christ. A preacher named Howard Hendricks said this, In the midst of a generation screaming for answers, Christians are stuttering. Hey, church, we can't keep stuttering. We've got to speak clearly. We've got to speak clearly 
about the love of Jesus. We've got to speak clearly about the mission of our Messiah. But we don't stand in a way of, with, with a stinky attitude, and we don't be a jerk about it. But we, don't, we can't keep stuttering. So don't stutter and don't stutter step. Stand firm. Don't stutter step. So face your fears. Stand firm in love of Christ as you continue to follow Jesus. So standing firm in the love of Christ doesn't mean you're just standing still. It means you continue to follow Jesus. Another great preacher, A.W. Tozer, said this, Outside the will of God, there's nothing I want. Inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Man, that's a prayer for me, you guys. i got to tell you, outside the will of God, there's nothing I want. Man, I, I still find myself on, on a regular basis going, man, there, there's some things I want, and they're, they're outside the will of God. <coughs> Excuse me. And inside the will of God, there's nothing I fear. Man, to have that kind of faith that, that I'm in the will of God, and even when things happen like Jesus says are going to happen, there's nothing I fear. So Jesus, in his teaching, uses this analogy of students and teachers and slaves and masters, and he uses this analogy to encourage those who follow him to continue to follow him. That's why he uses the analogy. It's, a, it's something they would understand. It was part of the life of their day. They would understand this. And he says, he tells them, that, using the, this analogy, to, to con- encourage you to continue to follow him, even when it gets difficult, even when, even when he will no longer be with them in the flesh. So Jesus points out that if he faces opposition and difficulty, then his followers will too. He says, you can count on it. If, if I've been called the prince of demons, the son of God, the, the, <laughs> the son of God, if I've been called the prince of demons, the members of my house will be called even worse names. So Jesus offers life. He offers life that is truly life, full, abundant, and eternal. Jesus offers peace and joy and hope that you will never find anywhere else. And he has a mission for his household, his followers, his church. And Jesus says, don't expect it to be easy. You can expect it to be messy. You can expect it that, that it's even going to hurt. So maybe you've heard this. The center of God's will is the safest place to be. I don't fully agree with that. I actually disagree somewhat with that statement. Because the center of God's will, oh, it's the best place to be. It's, it's the place of peace and joy and hope like there is no other. It's the place where, where, where we find ourselves as worshipers of God Almighty, but safe as we think of being safe? No way. If we take Jesus at his word here, we see that the center of God's will may be the least safe place to be as we think of being safe, but it is the best place to be, no doubt. The culture is often opposed to Jesus. And you know what? It's because Jesus is countercultural. Jesus is countercultural. Following Jesus in the way of Jesus is countercultural. And eventually the culture now will be just like it was in the time of Jesus and his earliest followers, will be opposed to us, opposed to you, if you're a follower of Jesus, one way or another. If we're faithfully following Jesus, if we don't feel or sense any opposition, maybe we should question, am I faithfully following Jesus? Am I living the countercultural way of Jesus, or am I fitting into the culture? Romans 8.17 says, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are the heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Too often we want the glory without the suffering. 
And you can hear it in our prayer sometimes. God, God be with us. God keep us safe. Give us traveling mercies, whatever that is. And and and, and those are great prayers. No, I'm not saying don't pray that. Don't pray for bless. I mean, I'm not saying don't pray for blessing. I'm not saying don't pray. Don't pray for safety. Definitely pray for safety. If you're going in for surgery, if your if your mom's going in for surgery, if your kids are going off to college, you know, definitely pray for safety. Definitely. But we should pray more than safe prayers. We should pray for opportunities to engage those who are far from God with his love. We should pray dangerous prayers. Lord, give me an opportunity today to be a light shining for you. Give me an opportunity today to love my neighbor as myself. Give me an opportunity today to to love my enemy. That's that's the kind of prayers we need to be praying. uh, 2 Thessalonians 1.5 says, God will use this persecution to show his justice and make you worthy of his kingdom for which you are suffering. So if we're suffering with Christ, 2 Thessalonians tells us that God will use that persecution to show us his justice and to make us worthy of his kingdom. So through opposition, even through suffering and pain, if you continue to follow Jesus, you can face any fear holding you back when you allow his love to replace your fear. So face your fears as you keep your focus on God. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firm in that faith. Continue to follow Jesus and keep your focus on God. In recent days, it seems it's 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 like our focus is everywhere but God. We have social media. We have news outlets. We have things happening in the world. We have a global pandemic called COVID nineteen. We have you know and lots of things are, are are taking our focus. Do we do you wear a face mask in public or do you not wear a face mask? It's you have to wear a face mask or or you're very susceptible. If you wear a face mask, you're actually putting yourself in more danger. And you're hearing all these different things and our focus is going everywhere and then there's uh you know issues of of brutality and 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 people uh abusing their power and then we have um you know a, a, a racial divides brought up and what, what flag shall we shall we fly you know fly and and what flag you know, is it okay to kneel at a flag we have all these things taking our focus everywhere but from the gospel how you know <laughs> How, how much are turnips on your island this this week? You know, these kind of things <laughs> still our focus, and our focus seems everywhere but the gospel. Could it be that fear creeps into our hearts and our minds when we allow our focus to shift from God to all the other things? Not that we don't need to pay attention to these things and address these things. We do. But could it be that fear creeps into our hearts and our minds, the kind of fear that stops us in our tracks, stops our faith... Uh, in our stops us from growing in our faith in our hearts and our minds when we allow our focus to shift from God to all the other things Jesus says even though they threaten you fear not take this good news I'm giving you and at daybreak shout it from the rooftops when is the last time you shouted the good news from the rooftops The good news is Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You can be reconciled to God. We can all be reconciled to God. Jesus has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. He's created one new people for him. And it doesn't matter what your your background is, what your history is, what your political stance is, what your religious history is, what the color of your skin is, what you were taught growing up. What matters is Jesus has making all things new and created this one new people that's that's here and and that, that, that is called the church. It's called the kingdom of God. 
God. It's the body of Christ. And he says, this is the good news. And in the awakening, in the, at the time of daybreak, the awakening will happen when you shout it from the rooftops. And we're focused on everything else. Our rooftops are social media, your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, your TikTok. These are all the rooftops. What are you shouting from your rooftops? No matter what happens, no matter what anybody else says or does, no matter how tough you think it is or how tough it actually is, face your fears and keep your eyes forward, focused in God we trust. And Jesus goes on, fear not those who can destroy your body. They can't touch your soul. Rather, fear only God who can destroy both your soul, both your body and the soul. Now, before you think, oh, well, Jesus, there it is, because this is one of those big issues that some people have with with Christianity um, is, well, I just don't believe in a God you have to fear. I don't believe if there's a God who loves you, why would, why would you have to fear him? So let's understand this. Jesus, you know, Jesus isn't saying this. He didn't say, oh, be afraid of God. He's going to strike you down. He, you know, like, and people are, I knew it. If I, if I have to fear God, he's going to strike me down. No, Jesus is saying, here's what, here's the context. Keep reading. Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father, God, knowing it. And you are more valuable than a flock of sparrows. You're more valuable than Jack Sparrow. You're more valuable than a flock of seagulls. <laughs> There are many things and situations in life that can bring fear or panic or dread into our lives. And Jesus says, fear not. You're in God's hands. You're in God's hands and he loves you. Never forget this about the phrase fear God. Fear God in the context of, of, of scripture means to have the utmost respect and awe for the creator of the universe. God is God. He's the creator of the universe. To have the the fear of God is to have the utmost respect and awe for the creator of the universe. That means we recognize that he is greater than those who can bring us harm. They might take this body, but they can't take my soul. And they can't take my hope. Now, in Jesus' day, he talks about the sparrow, right? The sparrow sold for one-sixteenth of a day's wages. Sparrows were the cheapest meat that one could buy at the market. Jesus isn't randomly talking about sparrows. The sparrow is specific. In other words, a sparrow isn't worth very much. Yet God cares about them. This sparrow talk reminds us that there's nothing outside of God's care. Just because you face difficult days ahead doesn't mean God doesn't care. The good news is, is that he does care and he is with you. That's the good news. Even though the even though difficult days come, even though the, the hard times come, even though earthquakes come and, and tsunamis come and tornadoes and hurricanes come, even though they come, the good news is God cares enough to be with you through these things. Romans 8, 35 says, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37 says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The emotion of fear depends on your perception of the situation. We don't like to be out of control, right? We, we, we like to be in control. Fear puts us out of control by putting us under its control. We fight fear best when we raise our eyes and consider the situation in the light of who God is. Face your fears and keep focus on God. Is anything bigger than God? 
Is there anything too big for God? I heard this a long time ago. It's not. It's, this isn't original with me. You've probably heard this too about what fear is. Fear is an acronym. Uh, fear is false evidence appearing real. Fear is false evidence appearing real. So then courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, is what we do in the presence of fear. Pr- courage is what we do in the midst of what we fear. Jesus gives us, uh, here's what to do in the face of fear. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. What do you do in the face of fear? Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. See, God is, has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for his church. He has a purpose for our little church plant, our little our little church startup group in, in Natchitoches, Louisiana, Awakened Church. He's got a purpose for us. He's got a, but, he, but he's got a broader purpose for his church. For the church has a purpose. It's the, it's it's the, you know, it's to go forth and share this gospel, this hope that is Jesus, reconciliation. He's made you and I ambassadors of Christ, which means we are messengers. We represent him. Bring, and, our, and our ministry or our message is reconciliation. Be brought back to God and become one out of the division, out of the many, one. So you can accomplish the purpose Jesus has for you, even if it's hard, because it's in facing those fears with Jesus that allows his love to replace that fear. So what's your next steps? I would encourage you to do this. Write down your fears. And you don't have to share this necessarily with anybody. Uh, but write down your, your fears. And I'm not talking about a list of I'm scared of cats and I'm scared of uh, the ocean or I'm scared of I'm scared of winter because I don't like cold weather. You know, I'm scared of, you know, what I'm not talking about the phobias and those kind of things, things you're scared of. I'm talking about the deep fears, the fears you have. Write those down. And where you need help, get it. Where you need counseling, get it. Where you need a conversation, get it. Where you need somebody to listen, get it. And walk in the hope that Christ gives. And maybe alongside or underneath your list of your fears, you just write out Romans 8, 35 through 37. List your fears and then write as a prayer, can anything ever separate me from Christ's love. Does it mean he no longer loves me if, if I f- have trouble or calamity or if I'm persecuted or if I'm hungry or if I'm destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is mine through Christ who loves me. You can make it personal. And I pray that you would. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that that um, you can you give us the 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 power, the strength the, the faith to face our fears. And Lord, my prayer for us, for myself, as well as for all who are uh, being impacted by this, 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 this message today, Lord, that we would all, uh, Lord, allow the, your love to replace the fears in our hearts, the fears in our lives, the fears of, of being rejected by showing and sharing the love of Jesus with others, the fear of, 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 of uh, being judged if we invite somebody to church. Lord, take those fears Take those fears and replace them with your love. That, Lord, our love for you would be so great. Our love for our neighbors would be so awesome. That, Lord, we would do whatever it takes to keep one more person 
from going to hell and living in hell now, living, going through hell now or for eternity, that, Lord, we would have the opportunities to shout from our rooftops, our social media, our platforms, the messages of hope that is in Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for taking our fears and giving us your love. Help us to go out and live that out with grace, with peace, with joy, and with hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Awaken Church LA.